0: Thank you for joining us for this broadcast. Anybody who's ever attended science class at a public high school or college has been taught the theory of an ancient Earth. Uh, Many scientists say geological findings prove that the Earth is the numbers vary from source to source, but approximately four and a half billion years old. We also know, of course, that many people in the scientific community are very hostile to the biblical account of creation. And they argue that the Bible teaches what is sometimes referred to as young earth creationism, or the idea that the earth is only about 6,000 years old. But what does the Bible really say about the age of the earth?
1: Does it even really matter? And how should Christians respond to these arguments? Let me say, first of all, the, all the discussion of the ancient earth doesn't bother me at all doesn't disturb my faith at all. Uh, And the reason is the book of Genesis was not written as a scientific textbook. It was written to teach theological truths. And everything the Bible says is true. But the Bible, you have to take what the Bible is intending to teach. And the Bible is teaching within a culture. So if the Bible taught advanced science and explained terms in technical ways, the people to whom it was given for thousands of years couldn't have understood it. And even today, we might pride ourselves understanding it. But what if the Lord doesn't come for another 200 years? A lot of things we think are true are going to be ridiculously false or naive. Good point. And then so if we said the Bible is 100% scientifically fits my ideas now, well, it would be considered untrue 200 years from now. So if we try to force the Bible into a scientific mode, I think we're we're not reading it according to how it's meant to be used. So let me do a very simple thing. The Bible speaks in language that people can understand. That's all about ancient people as well as modern. And the Bible speaks from the point of view of human experience. So let me give a simple example. The Bible talks about the sunrise and the sunset. We do that today. Mm-hmm. But I would hope that most people today understand the sun doesn't literally go up and down in Earth's atmosphere. Actually, the sun is far removed from Earth's atmosphere. And what we're actually experiencing is the, is the rotation of the Earth, right? Mm-hmm. And so we see day and night because the Earth is rotating. But if I were to say to you, wasn't that a beautiful sunset? And you say, Brother Bernard, what a liar. the sun didn't set the earth rotated you should be saying wasn't that a beautiful rotation of the earth on its axis i would say you know what you're fired you know i'm not speaking in scientific i don't say that yes (laughs) i'm not speaking in scientific technicalities i'm just speaking from human experience so it's phenomenological speech how it appears to humans so in generations past uh, you know, the story of Galileo and, and the idea that uh, ancient people often thought uh, Century, you know, many centuries ago, some thought the earth was flat um, and the Bible talks about the corners of the earth. So does that mean the Bible teaches the earth is flat? No, the Bible is just speaking from the way it looks. Um, the Bible talks about uh, Genesis talks about heaven, kind of like a vault or a dome. So is the Bible trying to teach that as scientific truth? No, that's the way it looks to us. It looks like there's a sky up there. Um, and then when rain comes down, there's water up there, but um, or uh, the it, it, people believed in, in that the sun rotated around the earth, or the universe rotated around the earth. But of course, science has proven the earth revolves around the sun. Uh, so some people thought, well, the Bible required us to have those beliefs but we finally said you know what the bible is not trying to teach us details of science so just because it's describing these things in terms of human experience don't limit the bible and you could see many examples uh the book of psalms talks about god taking us under his wings under his feather so we don't think god's a giant bird we understand this is descriptive speech so i i think for many reasons uh, we we don't have to take what sounds like you know if you added up the years well it's got to be six thousand years, but the Bible is not trying to teach you really even ancient history in that sense. It's trying to teach you theological truth. Now so that's the first thing I would say that so there there there's atheistic evolution without God. So that's clearly false. We have to start with God created everything, the whole universe and we as humans. God created humans in his image. That's absolute. So then you have young earth creationism or old earth creationism. So let's take young earth. Um, and there, there there's a plausibility to it. If you just read the text and try to add up the numbers, you might get this idea. The earth is six to 10,000 years old. And is the numbers based on the genealogies? Is that often how they calculate that? Yes. Yes. But of course, if you study genealogy carefully you will understand that sometimes genealogies skip a generation. And when it says beget or was the father or the son of, that doesn't have to mean literally the immediate ancestor. It could mean even remote. We see this if you take time to study the genealogy of Jesus and Matthew, several generations are skipped on purpose. When you compare Matthew to um, the Old Testament, and, and it's done for a purpose to have equal number of generations. So, So you do have to say, you know, even those genealogies, you're over interpreting them if you don't allow room for um, gaps. This wasn't ancestry.com. Right. So. Right. But, okay. But let's just take a simple example. Let's say that Adam was immediately created. What do you think? Maybe 21 year old adult? Sure. Okay. Go with that. So let's say he's 20, he looks like a 21 year old. He's an adult, not a infant. And we take him to the doctor one minute after creation. And the doctor checks him out. Well, you've got wisdom teeth, so you got to be at least 21. You're mature, healthy, perfectly healthy, 100%. Your heart is adult. Your brain is fully developed. Maybe, maybe you're a 30-year-old. You know, you know, Okay, but really, he's one minute old. So my, I'll use the illustration. God could create a human being that looks 30 years old, and he's really one minute old. Well, if God could do that, God could create an earth. That's one minute old, but looks like a million years old. Mm-hmm. However, when you think that through the um, and so that that's why young earth creationism could be perfectly fine. You can't disprove that. That that could be it. But if you think that through, there's so many lines of reasoning of an ancient universe. For example, we can we study uh, light travels uh, at one hundred eighty six thousand miles per second. We scientists have been able to. To measure that, well, we can discover that there are stars that are many light years away, and there are galaxies that are hundreds and thousands and millions of light years away, which means it would have taken them that many years to get to Earth. So, the the universe would have to be millions or billions of years old uh, for all, for that light to get here. So, if God did create everything. 10,000 years ago, he would have had to create the light already on the way. Yeah. So it wouldn't have come from a source. He would have just created it. And if you look at uh, geology, so in my area of Texas, central Texas, the hill country, it's all limestone, which is created by millions of sea creatures. Uh, And and so at one time that had to be a a sea. Mm -hmm. Now it's hills. I mean, I've actually gone out in those hills and found fossils of sea creatures embedded in the rock. Wow. Well, how many thousands or scientists sometimes say millions of years for those creatures to be in a sea, to have died, been deposited, turned into fossils. And then through some kind of ancient um, earthquakes and volcanic eruptions, that seabed is now a hilltop. And Mm -hmm. so you find this fossil on the top of a hill well, that sea creature didn't live on the top of the hill. <laughs> and so right. you're talking about, or, or the Grand Canyon by modern processes. How was that carved out? Yeah. Or even tree rings. Now, they wouldn't be millions of years old, but thousands of years old. So there's so And then, of course, radioactive decay. We could go on and on and on. So you can either say God just created this with the illusion, which is possible, but it does cause some question would god create something that seems to be faked so like oil they say it took millions of years for that oil to form and coal it, it was actually ancient plants that crushed under the earth under immense pressure it would take millions of years diamonds formed carbon under millions of years so god could have just created the oil without any plants and animals as predecessors but the question becomes You know, would God really create a whole thing that's like fake or or imaginary or, you know, what? And of course, he can do what he wants to do. He's a God of miracles. But it does cause a little bit unease to me that everything that appears to be is not. Of course, you could. um, Some young earth creations will dispute all those points. But then we have to become expert scientists in geology, biology, astronomy. I mean, and if we had time, we could sit down and talk about all those. Um, but but I do think there's an easier way to look at it. And here's how I look at it. Einstein's theory of relativity says that as you approach the speed of light, time slows down. So if you're actually going at the speed of light, there's no passage of time there. And this is counterintuitive, but but scientists have demonstrated it's true. The way the universe works is there's this relationship between uh, you know, time and speed. And so time is relative to the observer. So an observer at one place can think of time passing in a certain time. But an observer that's moving would think of it is a shorter time. And if an observer is moving at the speed of light, he would say there's no time. So to me, that gives me a philosophical opportunity to say, look, when God created the universe six days, well, from his perspective... It was six days. Now, it's not exactly like our days because our days are measured by the sun. Well, God was counting days before there was a sun. So he was doing something different Mm -hmm. than depending on the sun to tell him what time it was. So from God's perspective, he could say, imagine God's traveling pretty much the speed of light if he wants to. So it could be actually six 24-hour days if you were sitting along with God with the time clock. But from our perspective, it could be billions of years. So I don't see that there's any problem in saying from God's perspective. And I look at it like, let's say you planted a seed. If you could take a video or time-lapse pictures of a seed, and then it roots go down, and then those roots start cracking rock, and tree goes up, and it becomes a mighty, magnificent sequoia of hundreds of feet. If you did a video of that, it would look like a miracle. Here here's this it it would look like a monster movie or something. Here here here's this plant just you know developing. Well, maybe Genesis is that video sequence. Yeah. Here's what happened. But I think it's a mistake to try to put it in, into science. I do believe it's profoundly consistent with science because the prevailing scientific theory is that the universe started with the Big Bang? There was nothing, and they can't explain it. They can't explain what was before that. If if there there, there was no time, so there was nothing before that. <laughs> no way to describe it. It's it's impossible for humans to comprehend. But suddenly there was this infinitesimal point that exploded and caused our known uh, explosion of energy that all of our known universe came out of that. Well, if you were writing thousands of years ago and god actually showed you the big bang how would you describe it in ancient terms well in the beginning god said let there be light and there was light yeah boom i mean that's to me that is a description of the big bang and the what makes me so interested in that until the 20th century no humans described the universe that way So it's like we spent all this time and then people thought there might be an eternal universe or that's been disproven. So really, God's word saying there was a beginning and it began with an explosion of light or energy is profoundly true. The only thing we have to say is God is the author of that. So to my mind, there really is no problem saying the universe is billions of years old or even the earth is billions of years old. I believe that's compatible with the discussion Genesis. Now, if you want to do some research, um, there's a book by Gerald Rau, R-A-W. I think he's the editor. It's called Mapping the Origins Debate, Six Models. So I think he has young earth creationism, old earth creationism, and various variations. So you can look at that. John Collins has a very good book Genesis one through four, which he goes through Genesis one through four, discusses it theologically, but also discusses how would it relate to modern science from a biblical conservative biblical perspective. And then John Lennox, um, L E N N O X, seven days that divide the world. So he also goes through the seven days, you know, the six days of creation plus the seventh day of rest, and describes it theologically, but also how it is compatible with. The discussions of science i will also add that you know uh, the reason why a lot of people fight against old earth is because they think it's a concession to evolutionism well we that's a, a another great discussion of how did god actually create but you don't have to buy into that and certainly i would reject any form of atheistic evolution, but even theistic evolution that that seems to relegate God to the sidelines and just goes through evolution. There's a good book. It's rather in depth, but it's J.P. Moreland, M-O-R-E-L-A-N-D. He edits it. It's called Theistic Evolution, but it's actually a critique of theistic evolution from a conservative Christian perspective, saying just trying to say evolution answers everything um, it, it has a very extensive explanation by many authors from a theological scientific perspective that, to say that's inadequate. But I do want to summarize with this, because when you're trying to win souls, I don't think we have to fight this battle. I'll give you an example. I had a businessman come to me when I was a pastor. He says, you know, he was very touched by our services and felt the presence of God. But he said, I can't believe this because I believe in evolution. I said, look, we could sit down, and I could give you all the flaws, and I'd give you books to read. But really, that doesn't really matter right now. What you need to understand is God is the creator. And all the rest is details. But he says, well, how can I believe the Bible? I says, the Bible's not trying to teach on evolution or age of the earth. It's not trying to teach those things. It's trying to teach that God is the creator. That's what you have to understand. But let me give you this. The Bible says that humans are sinners. It's the only book a philosophy or a religion that basically says the a central problem with humans, we're sinners. Every other book tries to tell you how you can improve yourself through meditation, through good works, through believing in some deity, you can improve yourself. The Bible says you can't improve yourself. You need a savior, Jesus Christ. But you know what? That's a universal truth. G.K. Chesterton said the one doctrine of the Bible that can be empirically proved is all have sinned. Every human being knows, even if they don't believe in the Bible, they know they have violated their own conscience. What they said was right and wrong. They violate, they've lied, they've cheated, they've stolen. Every human being, if you're honest, you know that you've sinned. Well, of all the books and religions and philosophies of the world, only the Bible is bold enough and honest enough to say your root problem is your sinner. Well, if the Bible tells us the truth on the most fundamental truth of our lives and nobody else will, then we can trust the Bible when it talks about creation, which nobody's seen, or when it talks about the life to come, which nobody's been there. We trust it on those extremes because we know it's telling the truth. And so if you will repent and you'll be baptized in Jesus' name, you'll receive the Holy Ghost, you will experience the truth of the Bible for yourself, then that will give you confidence to go back and say, Genesis is right, God created the universe, and whatever the details... We know that fundamentally we need to accept God as our creator. And thank you for sharing
0: some resources on that. I think those will be very interesting for people in our audience to check out. Thank you for listening to this episode of Apostolic Life in the 21st Century. If you enjoy this podcast, please take a moment to give us a review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or your favorite podcast app. We also appreciate it when you share apostolic life in the 21st century with a friend or family member. Finally, join us again next time as we look at how the Bible applies to everyday life.